I started to ask, uh, anybody ever been in jail? But I decided that that might incriminate somebody. So I just thought, well, maybe what we could all relate to is the get out of jail or the go to jail card from Monopoly. And I, the Smith family is here. I know this family has played Monopoly. So I know this family has been to jail. I know that. Uh, but can you relate to, you know, have you, have you ever done a search of go to jail cards? There's this quite this history of Monopoly cards go to jail. So I think we might be able to relate to going to jail from Monopoly, right? And I, if, it's, if there's any other, I don't want to know it. But it's not the case for Paul. It's not the case for Peter. So as I thought about these apostles, you know, what if our, what, what if our pastors and teachers... Our prophets and apostles started going to jail. I wonder, I wonder how we would <laughs> react to that. And we're on the second missionary journey, and the team that's traveling across Asia Minor, now into Europe, is Paul and Silas and Timothy. And that team, in, fi- in trying to find out where they're to go, they had a vision. The Holy Spirit guided them through that vision to move from the continent of Asia into the continent of Europe. And so he had, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, come over and help us. So they got over to Philippi. And what we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is rather than a man at Macedonia, they've helped two women initially. There's going to be men involved too. But the first convert, the per, first person that came to faith in Jesus in Europe is Lydia. And Lydia wasn't even from Macedonia She's from Asia Minor. Crazy how the Holy Spirit can give such clear direction, but then when it comes to what it actually is, it's a bit different. A little lesson for us to learn. And then there's a slave girl that's set free. So now it's these women that have been helped in Macedonia, leading to men. Now, when Paul is helping people in Macedonia, he is representing the kingdom of God. And last week, he, he really bumped into a very intolerable situation. And, he, and he, he bumped into this tension. And the tension is, Philippi, under Roman law, would allow for slavery. Slavery was acceptable in the Roman Empire. Matter of fact, Rome depended upon slavery for their economy to work. And then also Rome said it was okay for divination. And so for a few days in Philippi, Paul and Silas and Timothy were followed by a young slave girl who made money for her slave owners with a spirit of divination. And and the Bible tells us that there were several days that Paul, I think, is trying to figure out what in the world, how, how, and I think he's probably saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you got us here, you directed us to Macedonia, we're still looking for the man that we're going to help. We've helped two women. But, and what do we do now? And so Paul actually gets to a place, I think, that he, he knew. The Holy Spirit said, turn around, tell that demon to go, set that young lady free. And you have this clash. The Roman law says it's okay. The kingdom of God says it's not okay. And so when Paul and Silas are drugged before the city magistrates, They're called dangerous Jewish agitators. 
which is not, that's really not the case. It's, not, it's really not Jewish law and custom that's bumping into Roman law and custom. It's kingdom. It's the kingdom of God that's bumping into Roman law and custom. And it's, it's, not, it's not okay. And so Paul is setting captives free. So he sets this young lady free from a demon. No, we don't want people to be held captive by demons. No. We want to set people free from human trafficking. It's not okay for this young girl to be owned by others who are profiting from her demonization. That's not okay. She needs to be set free from the poverty and the injustice of that, from the human trafficking and from the demons. Now, when Paul does that, he gets into a lot of trouble. Matter of fact, he and Silas are drugged through the streets. They are then thrown into jail after being scourged, beaten. And that's where we start today. Acts 16, verse 22 to 34. The judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off, and ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so that there'd be no chance of escape. He did just that, threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped leg irons on them. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered, every door flew open, all the prisoners were loosed. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyway when Paul stopped him. Don't do that! We're still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer got a torch, ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to get out of this mess? to be saved, to really live. And they said, put your entire trust in the Master Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Then you'll live as you're really meant to live, and everyone in your house too. They went on to spell out the details, the story of the Master. The entire family got in on that part. They never went to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he, he couldn't wait till morning, was baptized. He and everyone in his family, there in his home, he had food out for a festive meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family had put their trust in God, and everyone in the house was in on the celebration. Well, you start this story of Paul and Silas in prison. Have you ever seen, it's kind of a modern-day job interview, a search committee is looking for a new pastor, and Paul, Paul responds to that search committee's 
and he gives his resume, and he lists all the time he's been in jail. And, you know, and you're thinking, there is no way on planet Earth that Paul would be hired by anybody today with his resume. So it really is like, oh, this is nuts. He and Silas are in prison, and they're not just in prison. I mean, they are a bloody mess. They've been scourged. They've been beaten in, in the Roman way with a whip that had little pieces of fragments of glass. And I mean, they're, I mean, they're really messed up. And they're in prison in Philippi. And they start to sing and pray. Doesn't that catch you a little, I mean, doesn't that catch your attention? Around midnight, they start to pray and they start to sing a robust song to God loud enough that every other, all the other prisoners are, can hear what what's going on. And through that prayer and that praise, they get the get out of jail card. And it comes in the form of an earthquake. I did not look up the frequency of earthquakes in Macedonia. But this earthquake shook the jail so that every door opened up, even the maximum security cell. And in that moment, the jailer who was responsible to the Roman authorities for every prisoner in that prison, if they got out, if they escaped, the penalty for their escape for him was death. And that's why you have within the account, oh no, all the prisoners are gone. I might as well kill myself with my sword. Paul says, no, this is an opportunity for salvation. And that salvation comes through one name, Yeshua, Jesus. The jailer asks a great question. What must I do to be saved? I think a better translation, I really like N.T. Wright's translation of that. Will you please tell me how to get out of this mess? This, I'm really in trouble here. And, and what the jailer is saying is, I really want to live. You know, sometimes within our explanation of, of salvation, it, it might come across like this way. You know, you know Paul... What must I do to be saved? And Paul would say, well, you just go ahead and kill yourself, but you'll have, you'll have life in eternity. See, sometimes our, our answer to what must I do be, to be saved, I mean, it's all about later. It's not about the now. This is a story about the now. I'm in trouble. I'm in, uh, this, this is a mess. I've got to be saved out of the present circumstances. And I want, I want to live. I don't want to die. Then, then if you begin to think about it, if, if Paul and Silas were singing and praying loud enough for the other prisoners to hear, probably the jailer overheard their prayers and their song too. And I've got to believe that something with him, he's going, you know, I want to believe in something. I want to believe in someone who allows me to sing in the face of suffering because I've never, ever seen somebody come in beaten and battered and thrown into jail 
in maximum security, bound with chains, and, the, and they're praying and singing? I've never, ever seen that. But whatever you guys have, I want that. And I think the jailer also realized if there's somebody that can shake my maximum security jail and open the prison doors, I want out of my prison. I'm entrapped too. I want freedom. And then I think because his family's right there, I think he's, I, I want something better for my family than what I've got. You see, sal- that's what salvation is. Salvation is about beginning to live now and never ending life. It's about a better quality of life now and continuing. It's about being able to rejoice and pray regardless of circumstances. It's about being free. It's about experiencing something better for everybody that's in my life. Please tell me, how do I get out of this mess? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, trust in the power and the nearness of Jesus to help get you out of this mess. A jail shaking and doors flying open would be the power of God interrupting life as we normally live it. you you got to believe that that power comes from Jesus. You also need to believe that as we prayed and as we praised that Jesus was near. He was near enough to help us out of our mess. He's near enough to help you out of your mess. Believe. Believe that Jesus is alive. Believe that what we're telling you about Jesus is true. We have a true message. Believe. And it's the same for your household. Everybody in your household that trusts in the power and the nearness of Jesus to help them out of their mess, he'll get them out of their mess. Everyone in your household who believes that Jesus is alive and that this story we're telling is true, it's true, they too can begin to live the life of salvation. And then we see salvation comes. So we we see that somehow this family expressed belief in Jesus. It just it came across probably I I I believe in Jesus. I believe in the power and the nearness of Jesus. I believe Jesus is alive. I believe Jesus is the king. I believe the kingdom of God is arriving. I think those are all the kind of things they said. Just that simple. And immediately they wanted to be baptized. We, we, want, we want to bury the old and we want to come up in the new. We want to identify with Jesus. This is the way you do it. We want to be baptized now. We don't want to wait till later. And then we want to celebrate. Yeah, you go from being beaten and thrown into jail and now you're eating feasting, celebrating in the home of the jailer. What a turnaround. What a wonderful turnaround. So as we read that story, you know, there are things, I think, for us as a community of people following Jesus today to consider. 
And one of them is, how are we disturbing the peace of our, quote, empire? It's not that we're looking to disturb the peace. Not like we're going out of our way to disturb the peace. But when we begin to seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of the kingdom, that is going to put us in conflict with the powers of this day. I think all of us recognize that we live in a part of the world that, that would really just, they just want to hear one side of the story of what's going on in the Middle East. I think we can all say that. And, I'm, and I would be one to say, yes, we want to listen to that side of the story. Yes, we should listen to that side of the story. But at the same time, there's another side of the story that we need to listen to. Now, just saying that, that begins to send shockwaves through the matrix. In the world that I live in, Katie and Matt, being where they are. I mean, they're not trying to go out of their way to disturb the empire, but they're there to love both Israeli and Palestinian. I mean, Katie just finished a camp where Palestinian and Israeli kids came together to love each other, to learn from each other, to live at peace. Again, that, that's, a, that's something of kingdom. It's not of the empire. And when, that, when you begin to do things like that, it begins to disturb the peace of the empire. No, wait a minute, you're not supposed to do that. And I know for Susan and I and our, we never ever intended to disturb the peace. That was not, we didn't set out, we didn't write it, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna disturb the peace this way. It's our God. And why? Why does, why does Jesus want to disturb the peace of the empire? Because he wants something better for humanity. And because he's made something available to humanity that is better. And he wants us to disturb the status quo so we move into something better. And we get to be involved in that. We get to be the change agents. Just as much as Paul and Silas were in Philippi. Then I wonder, as we go about doing that, I mean, how, how would we respond to scourging and incarceration? You know, I wonder in the day that we're living, I mean, I know that there is conversation about how anti-Christianity government is and this and that. I know there's a whole conversation about that. I read about that. And I really have two questions. One, how much of that have we brought upon ourselves because we're really not representing Jesus. We're representing our own little kingdom. I wonder about that. The other thing I wonder about is, are you kidding me? These guys are bleeding and bloody and imprisoned. And our persecution is what? They, well, they, they said something really rude to me. Really? Really? 
And so then we say something rude about them. I mean, come on. I mean, are we being beaten and thrown into prison? And if we were, how would we handle it? I mean, there's no, I don't, there's no guarantee we're not going to be. I mean, right? So maybe we ought to think about, well, what if? I mean, what if there really was persecution? What would we do? How would we handle that? See, my friend Elias, who lives right on the Hebron Highway, right where the gate goes up, right where the military base is and Israel comes in, right where right now skunk water, sewage, is being shot all over the streets and tear gas, he lives right there. And regularly the Israeli soldiers beat his door down so they can have a rooftop advantage. And if they think he's doing something wrong, they take him back for conversation. And fortunately, he's not been thrown into prison. Administrative detention for months. I would call that persecution. <laughs> and I'd be a little bit worried about that. <laughs> but what do we, we... I mean... And then, I wonder what our answer to the jailers would be who want to get out of their mess. When the people around us start recognizing, you know, there is something different about you. There's something different about your relationships. There's something different about your community. There's something different about the message that you live and the message that you speak. And I know that I'm in jail. I'm in a mess. And how, you know, help me get out of this mess. How would we answer that question? The way we answer that question is really dependent upon the way we're living our lives. So it really brings me back to, do, do, am I believing on the Lord Jesus? Just that simple. So I don't have to think through, when somebody asks me, how do I get out of this mess? I don't have to think through, well, you know, well, you know, I've, I, you know, I've gone through Financial Peace University, and you know, I've gotten advice there, and that's been really good. That set me out of my financial prison. And then I, then I went through, you know, this about emotional freedom, and then... I mean, those are great things to do. But it's just not this simple message. Believe on the Lord Jesus. So then I wonder, how much, how much of salvation are you and I really enjoying? How much of the life that Jesus wants to give to us, how much are we really living? Because we're really trusting in His power and His nearness. Day in and day out. Do we trust in the power and nearness of Jesus to help us out of our mess. Let me ask you. How many of us today, you don't have to, don't, you don't have to tell us what your mess is. How, how many of us feel like you have made a mess and you need help? There was some really, there's some, there was, there was a few hands that went way up here. There was another hand that just went like this. <laughs> All right. There's a few, so there are a few of us that need 
we, we, we've made a mess. We need help. How many of you know somebody that has made a mess and they need help? Yeah, I didn't see anybody raise their neighbor's hand. That's good. So in that, what do we do with that? How about we have some kingdom time where we invite the power and the nearness of Jesus to get us out of our mess. How about we invite his kingdom that sets things, everything right, it sets it right to come to the aid of those that we know so that they would get out of their mess by belief, trust in Jesus. How about we do that? Would you be willing to do that? Okay, let me ask it a couple of ways. If you are, if you, you're in a, you know you're in a mess, I've made a mess, and I need help, and you're willing for others to gather around you and pray so that the power and the nearness of Jesus could address your mess, if you're willing for that to happen, would you just stand where you are? Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Now, those of you that know that someone else has made a mess, and you're really concerned about that, it's not nanny, nanny, boo, boo, I, you know. No, you're really concerned. You have a burden. And you really want to help somebody else, would you stand? Okay. Great. Okay. Now, would you stay standing and, as I just briefly talk to the rest of us that are sitting? The power and nearness of Jesus comes through us. And we got to believe that he's powerful and he's near and he works through us. So we can come alongside of everybody that's standing and two or three of us can gather around each person and we can pray in the name of Jesus and we can invite him to take charge for his kingdom to come and for him to do through us what he wants to do for that person or that other person. So are those of us that are sitting, would we be willing now to just be available to Jesus to do what Jesus wants to do through us to address the messes that we're in or our friends are in? All right, so if you're willing to do that, would you gather around? Let's just make sure there's two or three people around everybody that's standing, okay? If you would give me the opportunity just to pray a general prayer, and then um, you're, you're going to be free to pray as long as you wish. Uh, and you want to make sure, I mean, you want it to be effective. If it's not working, it's okay to say, you know, right now it's not working. But Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. An opportunity to learn about your power and your nearness an opportunity to read about what you've done in history and to make it our history today. Thank you 
that those of us who can say, I, ha- you know, please help me get out of this mess. Jesus, we trust you to be powerful and near today to get people out of their mess. And Jesus, you also know that some of us are concerned about others, and we trust you to get them out of their mess. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us to represent your kingdom, a kingdom that sets things right, a kingdom that gets people out of their mess, a kingdom that allows people to be set free and to really live. Come, Holy Spirit, direct us in this time of ministry to your glory and for your sake. Amen. So please pray for those that you're gathered around.